the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Get you ten dollars up. The following program is sponsored Incorporated. Today on Know the Truth from Philip DeCourcy. Do trust in the midst of the mundaneness of everyday life in a sovereign and a surprising God. He defies the impossible and he intervenes in the affairs of mankind. And the greatest example of that is that he who was with God was made flesh and dwelt among us. Welcome to Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Now, today, Philip admits that our subject is going to have a hard start as we look at the seeming futility of life under the sun. It's a message called Going in Circles. But don't turn that dial because Philip isn't going to leave us in the dust of monotony. He's going to get us off the merry-go-round to discover the significance and meaning that awaits those who love and follow God. So, let's join Philip now as he opens to our text. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're going to look at life in its monotony, verses 4 through 7. We're going to look at life and its misery, verses 8 through 9. And we're going to look at life and its mortality, verses 10 through 11. Aren't you glad you came to hear about monotony, misery, and mortality? But remember, Solomon is feeding us salt to make us thirsty for God. So keep that in mind. As we now begin to look at life and its monotony, Solomon puts on the hat of an historian, an astronomer, and a meteorologist. And I want to look at this for a few moments. In verse 4, Solomon's an historian. As Solomon thinks of the never-ending tides of humanity with one generation coming in and one generation going out, he's struck by the contrast between the earth that abides and the transitory temporary existence of man. And he finds that rather depressing. One generation goes, another generation comes, and the earth remains. Going, coming, remaining. But it's not us that remains. It's the earth that remains. And no one seems to notice. The world gives silent, cold witness to your passing along with your generation. And how vain is that? How empty, how challenging is that? And what Solomon does here is he pictures the sun as a runner that gets up in the morning and runs its course until evening. The next day it will have to put on its running shoes again and do it all over again. The sun is busy from sunrise to sunset doing its work seven days a week, 52 weeks a year in unblinking consistency. The sun is active. It's repetitive. 
but it's not progressive. And Solomon says, that can be what life's like. We rise with the sun. We go to bed at its sinking. And like the sun, we finish the day exhausted and unfulfilled. Solomon now looks at the wind and the water, having looked at the sun. And the wind and the water fare no better than the sun. The wind is simply running around in circles. A lot of noise, a a lot of fury, but little resolution, just repetitiveness. If the sun implies an east-to-west course, the wind is described as moving north to south, which is often the case in Palestine. And it seems to be that Solomon is saying this, whatever direction you look, north, south, east, or west, you're met by a never-ending motion and commotion of restless nature. He tells us, that uh, the rivers pour into the sea, but the sea is never full, verse 7. It's as if the oceans and the seas of this world are one gigantic bathtub with a plug pulled out. Rivers continually pour into them, but they never fill up in this unending, restless cycle of motion and commotion in the natural world. Now, I think the preacher's made its point, hasn't he? There's a certain monotony to man's experience just as to the natural world that is exhausting and exasperating. You've got this dust-to-dust cycle of each generation passing and being followed by another. You've got a puffing and panting sun. You've got a never-turning wind. You've got unfulfilled and unfilled seas that all prove the case. The life under the sun apart from God is just the same old, same old, with no real gain. Life isn't so much one thing after another, it's the same thing over and over. There's a certain monotony to life. I think I've told you the story about the teacher who was doing um, uh, a world uh, class for her uh, elementary students, and she was showing them that in different cultures there's different customs. She pointed out how that in many countries in the East, um, a man can have more than one wife. And she told the class that that's polygamy. A man with more than one wife, that's polygamy. She says, but here in the West, influenced by Christianity and the Bible, a man is only allowed to marry one wife. And she asked the class, did anybody know what that was? Little Billy perked up in the back, put his hand up and said, yes, teacher, I know. That's monotony. It's actually monogamy, but life at times seems monotonous. Faced with this relentless regime of routine, people try to escape, don't they? They try to escape through novelty. They try to escape through fantasy. In novelty, they try something new. And this is where many of our neighbors are at, maybe even where some of us are at. They're trying to find significance and satisfaction and substance in changing jobs, moving homes, buying gadgets, and some of the evil will swap wives. Let's try something new because life is so much the same old, same old, same old. Like the wind that whirls. It's like the sun that rises and sets. It never seems to change in the exchange. Others will... um, Seek to find escape in fantasy and into a world of illusion 
That's perhaps the entertainment world, isn't it? Or the literary world. It provides a form of escapism. And so we go and lose ourselves in the characters of a book whose story seems far more exciting than ours. Or we go and get lost in the plot line or the action of a movie. It seems so much more interesting than the plot line of our life. In fact, after Avatar, I was reading some articles about the fact that, that many people struggled to come back to their own ordinary lives. They were taken up into that world that seemed so idealistic. They find it hard to come back into this ugly world. And in the extreme, we're talking about drugs and drink, aren't we? Through drugs and drink, people go out of their mind so that they can escape this world and its monotony. It's repetitiveness. It's ceaseless, restless activity that really at times doesn't seem to add up to much. Now, at this point, we could go on and start to look at life and its misery, but for the few moments that remain, I think there's a better way. Remember to keep Solomon's mindset in mind. Solomon has a design in the book of Ecclesiastes. Someone wants to show us life apart from fearing God and following God. Remember, that's where he's headed. That's where he's going to conclude the book. This is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God, for in this man finds his all. But Solomon will get there. But before he gets there, he wants you to see what you get when this world is your only frame of reference. Solomon's feeding us salt to make us thirsty for God. And as this book unfolds, remember we're in the first chapter. We're not to make too many preliminary conclusions. Remember what we said about the travel trips, tips through the book? Solomon will begin to paint God back into the picture of life under the sun, and the mood will change. You'll see that soon enough, actually, in verse 13. And I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven, this burdensome task God has given to the sons of men by which they may be exercised. If you skip over to chapter 2 and verse 24, we read, Nothing is better for a man than he should eat and drink and that his soul should enjoy good in his labor. There'll be this bait and switch throughout the book. This is what happens when God is out of the picture. This is what happens when God is now brought into the picture. As we said, when we look to God, life takes on a whole different complexion. In fact, if you think about this, in Genesis chapter 8 and verses 20 through 22, the whole natural cycle of the sun rising and setting and order and continuous activity in the creation is a metaphor for God's faithfulness. There will be seed time. There will be harvest. You can set your clock to it, just like you can set your clock to the rising of the sun and the setting of the same. Life takes on a brighter, better complexion when we paint God back into the picture. And if you're going to deal with monotony, there's a few things I would just remind you of quickly. First, accept that there is a certain mundaneness to life. There's no escaping it. Even in Jesus Christ, remember we're living after the fall. God cursed the earth and God punished mankind. And even though there's redemption in Jesus Christ and our work and our efforts can be redeemed in him, there is a certain mundaneness to life that you can't escape even as a Christian. So just get used to it. Life has its cycles. Life can be very pedestrian, very predictable. There are certain things you've got to do every day. Life is to be lived in the trenches. The ordinary is not evil. 
In fact, most of us are destined to live a very ordinary life. But don't worry about that. The straight life where you rise to go to work and come home to love your family and clean the house and cut the grass and polish the car, talk to your neighbors, play with your kids, serve the Lord in very quiet ways through your church and in your community. The straight life is life. And there's no escaping that. In fact, Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10 says, whatever your hand finds to do, whatever's at your hand, do it. We need to learn and relearn that lasting satisfaction in life doesn't come from extraordinary events. We need to learn to appreciate life as it is. We need to say with the psalmist in Psalm 118 verse 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. The day where the factory horn blows and the school bell rings and the alarm clock goes off and you get about the same business you got about the day before. But this is the day the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it and everything that's in it. Even the ordinary, the mundane, the bread and butter issues of life. There's just no escaping that. There is a certain monotony and mundaneness to life. In fact, I thought about this this morning, just come back over my notes. The balance of Jesus' life was very ordinary, not extraordinary. Have you ever thought about that? That just hit me this morning. Oh, three and a half years of public ministry. The blind were able to see. The lame were able to walk. The dead were raised. 5,000 were fed. But for 30 years, he was a carpenter's son. You don't think the Lord Jesus took the trash out? You don't think the Lord Jesus Christ swept the floor of his father's carpenter's shop? He did it for 30 years. He was subject unto them. Oh, my friend, there was a mundaneness to our Lord's life but it was sanctified. And we can sanctify our mundane lives and realize that life is lived in the trenches. And just as the sun has to get up, we got to get up and run around the track once more. Every day cannot be your birthday. All right? Every day cannot end in fireworks. Now, when you live in the city of Orange like we do, <laughs> it does end with fireworks every day. 9.30 on the dot. <laughs> but we realize that's the magic kingdom. That's okay for once in a while. But the real life, your birthday doesn't happen every day and there's not fireworks at the end of the day. There's not a light parade to, to close out the week. Here's a second thought. Cherish the small happinesses as big. It's kind of piggybacking off this thought. Every day is crowned with the jewels of simple joys. If we have eyes to see and ears to hear. Remember, you can see things differently. Solomon saw the sun in one way and David saw the sun in another way. And if we've got Christ's eyes, not Christless eyes, we'll see a lot of beauty in the ordinary and we'll find a great deal of joy in the simple. The secret to a happy life is not encountering and enjoying a couple of big things across a lifetime, but enjoying a bunch of little things each and every day. We talked about that, didn't we? When we looked at slowing down because we're moving too fast. Roger Kipling said this, teach us to delight in simple things. There is much to enjoy in the midst of the mundane cup of coffee with a friend, 
enjoying a quiet meal with your mate, taking a brisk walk through the woods, reading a good book, sitting at a warm fire, or looking at a job well done and taking some satisfaction in that piece of woodwork or metalwork or that piece of writing or that job proposal. Last thought, accept that there is a mundaneness to life, even in Christ. Let little things become big things. And finally, do trust, nevertheless, in the midst of the mundaneness of everyday life in a sovereign and a surprising God. We have a God who intervenes. And I don't want to forget that when I'm down in the trenches. I don't want to rule out the providential and powerful intervention of God within the routine of my life or your life. I want to worship a God who does the impossible and does the improbable. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, is not a routine God. And I want to remember that in my routine. I want to remember that He can intervene in the natural world. God stopped the sun in its course for Joshua. God parted the waters for Moses. God turned off the rain for Elijah. God calmed the wind and the waves for his disciples. You and I are bound to the laws of nature, but they are not a straitjacket for the God who created them. Amen? The God of the Bible is sovereign and surprising. He does the unexpected. He defies the impossible, and he intervenes in the affairs of mankind. And the greatest example of that is that he who was with God and he who was God, the Word who created all things that were made, was made a little lower than the angels. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. God intervened in the natural world through a miracle called the virgin birth. And the Lord Jesus lived a very ordinary and a very extraordinary life, reminding us that in the midst of the ordinary, God just might do the extraordinary. And I want to remember that. And I fully understand, theologically speaking, that those miracles that I've referred to are unique and I believe unrepeatable. But nevertheless, they do witness to the fact that the God we worship and the God who loves us is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And I want to hold on to that. There's nothing too hard for him. There's no problem too big that he cannot solve, no prayer too audacious that he cannot answer, no person so hard he cannot redeem. Therefore, as we close in the midst of life, among the daily tasks and the little joys, you and I need to be big godders. Big godders, you say? I remember coming across a story with, about Donald Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. And after 12 years, he returned to his uh, alma mater, Princeton Theological Seminary, to preach at the chapel. It was rather intimidating because on the front row sat Dr. Wilson, the best Hebrew scholar of the day. Barnhouse was about two-thirds through his message, and Wilson gets up and walks out. Barnhouse just about finished the message. He hurried down to Dr. Wilson's office. He went in, 
And he says, Dr. Wilson, you know how much I respect you. He says, did I offend you? Did I feel in my preaching this morning? No, he said, no, Donald. He says, I usually come to chapel for a little while. I come to see my students if they're little godders or big godders. He says, you see, there's some men whose God is a little God. They're always in trouble with him. He cannot do any miracles. He cannot take care of the inspiration and transmission of Scripture to us. He doesn't intervene on behalf of his people. They have a little God. But then there are those who have a great God. He speaks and it is done. He commands and it stands fast. He knows how to show himself strong on behalf of them that fear him. And Donald, you have a big God and you will enjoy a great ministry. And I left satisfied. Are you a little godder or a big godder? Do you have a little God and you're always in trouble with him and he's always in trouble himself? Or do you believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? who can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. And we need to hold on to that as we accept the mundaneness of life, as we enjoy the little joys of life. Nevertheless, we know that God can intervene and shake things up and turn things around in a most marvelous, marvelous way. And life is not so monotonous and not so mundane. Father, we just thank you for your word. May the word of Christ dwell in us richly causing us to sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Oh, God, keep us from becoming sour pus Christians. Help us to rejoice in life under the sun because we understand the God who resides above the sun, who in the beginning made all things, made us, remade us in Jesus Christ, who has visited this world, who has taken note of us under the sun, and brought meaning to history through the death and burial and resurrection of His Son. Oh God, while there is a predictability to life, there is an unpredictability about You. And help us to hold on to that. There is no prayer so audacious that You cannot answer. There is no problem so large that You cannot solve. And there is no person so hard that You cannot save. These things we ask and pray, giving thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Philip DeCourcy is teaching us to honor God as we live our lives under the sun, S-O-N. You're listening to Know the Truth. Today's message is part of the Quest for the Best series, a comprehensive study in the book of Ecclesiastes. Hear previous broadcasts online at ktt.org or order individual messages on CD when you call 888-644-8811. And if you're new to Know the Truth, on behalf of Pastor Philip, let me say welcome. It's Philip DeCourcy's mission to provide bold and convicting Bible teaching that aligns your life with God's heart. And that's not all. To encourage you in a meaningful walk of faith, Philip would like to send you one of his favorite messages from our current study. It's called Chasing Pretty Bubbles, and it's a strong motivation to keep your eyes on what truly lasts. Ask for the free CD message when you call 888-644-8811. And when you call, tell us your story of faith. At Know the Truth, we're always looking to provide you with resources to strengthen your walk of faith. And this month, Pastor Phillips picked out a book by Philip Ryken titled, Why Everything Matters. This respected author and president of Wheaton College writes, Think of Ecclesiastes as the Bible's cattle prod. 
The preacher's words push us to expect lasting satisfaction, not in money and in pleasure, but only in the goodness of God. Don't miss getting your copy of Why Everything Matters when you give a generous gift of $25 or more. Donate online at ktt.org or call 888-644-8811. You can also send your gift by mail when you write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. Thank you for your generosity that fuels the ministry of Know the Truth. So glad you joined us today. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. There's more bold Bible teaching coming up next time when Philip continues to look at the real meaning of life described in Ecclesiastes. That's Monday on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Share, like, comment, tweet. Are these foreign terms to your business? They may not be to your competition and the reason you're losing sales. Social media marketing is on the verge of dominating commerce. The right social media strategy can help you slay the competition and gain new customers. We're Salem Surround. We take the mystery of digital marketing off your shoulders, letting you run your business while we deliver customers. Your competition is already social. Catch them and surpass them. We offer a free analysis of your digital marketing effectiveness and suggest methods that could dramatically increase your sales. We know how to make every digital dollar count towards sales success. Now there are no limitations on where you can reach customers with Salem Surround. Total market penetration for increased ROI. Learn more by logging on to surrounddc.com surrounddc.com connecting you with new customers three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.